0: The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by killbrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created. And legends are made.
1: Well, welcome once again. It's another edition of Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killiver Root Beer, made in Minnesota how memories are created. Legends are made. Couple of legends in studio here. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. We only have a few more of these little get-togethers before we uh, put a wrap on 2018. And gentlemen, it's always great to have you here in studio. And I go back to something Paul, that you said earlier in the summer and it's about when you have that first true summer feeling day. And it just feels like baseball time. And now I feel like out early this morning I was walking the dog. I feel like there's that little tiny little bite in the air and it feels like there's a little turn in the weather. And generally, you want to get jacked up for late-season baseball, for playoff baseball. And that's not going to be in the cards this year. But it is a different feel, isn't it?
2: There's a different feel, I think, when you first come up here out of spring training. Of course, as we talked about, the summer and everyone anticipating those long sunlight uh, days when it stretches out till 9, 9.30 at night. And we have changed. You know, we've come back. It's been beautiful. I mean, these are my favorite Minnesota days. You know, cool nights, cool mornings, sun warms up the day. But uh, the shadows change, the light changes a little bit, and, you know, we're heading into that uh, fall season, which means baseball season's winding down.
0: Paul, with that in mind, uh, you take a look at this team and, you know, what we projected it was going to be, and now a month where you're kind of trying to figure out the direction it's going to head next year. Tell me about the mindset of you and your coaching staff and what what you're trying to accomplish here in the last three weeks.
2: Well, I I think, Jack, that... uh, Even though our goals haven't been met this year, part of your job description is Game 1 to Game 162. You try to bring the the best out of your people that are assembled in your clubhouse. You continue to try try to develop them as players and as men and all those things that come with leadership. I think in terms of on the field, we're watching. We're giving people opportunity. We're trying to teach as we do that and just try to play this season out as hard as we can. I, I always tell the guys, hey, every game has meaning. It might not be for what you had hoped it meant, mm-hmm. but it means something in your own career and obviously your your duty to go out there and try to win each and every day. So we're, we're trying to finish this strongly. We talked a little bit the other day about Just bring the best version of yourself out there each and every day, and and let's see how we can do and try to finish as strongly as we can.
1: Now, you make a great point in your staff, I think, which the staff never gets enough credit just in terms of the effort, the endless effort that they put in. And now with more guys getting more individual work, the days get even longer for a lot of those guys, and they continue to match that effort on a nightly basis and on a daily basis. Baseball is such a weird dynamic between an individual game and a team game anyway. You've got individual battles within a team concept. When you get into a September and there's young people and they're trying to make a mark, is that a balance that you have to negotiate as well?
2: I I think that's always kind of part of the thing that you help try to have your team figure out as well as each person figure out. The reality is you play this game for yourself and your career and your family, and it's your way that you earn your living. But we ask you from day one to be a team player and do everything that you can to try to help your team win. I have found out through years of experience, as I'm sure Jack can relate to, is that the guys that buy into that message early, their careers are usually pretty well taken care of because they're desirable desirable people to have around. So as Jack said, you know, this season hasn't turned out like we had hoped or really how you expect, but not many do. You hope sometimes they're maybe different in a better way than what you imagine, but this one, for a lot of reasons, has just not unfolded the way that we had hoped coming out of spring training. Paul, you've had a lot of different bodies come through the organization this year at the big league
0: level, and you know that means kids you don't really know that well. I mean, when you were in in the minor mm-hmm. leagues doing all the roving right. and stuff, you probably had a better concept of the whole staff, and now that you're a major league manager for a few years, you probably have less of that even though you get messages right. from other coaches. My question is I want you to talk about the trust factor for a young kid to climb the ladder, have different coaches – and then a kid that might need to be changed drastically. Talk a little bit about how he needs to buy in and coaches need to sure. try to sell the trust factor.
2: Well, yeah, a, a couple of reactions. I agree that when I first came into this role, I knew a lot of our guys from having coached them in the minor leagues. Now that's changed a little bit in terms of some of these guys that have come in since that time and people from other organizations. But there's no question that the people that you don't know as well, the trust needs to be built over time. And I usually find that what's effective is consistency of messaging. And also, if you can find something that helps them early on, then maybe they want a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We're always concerned about trying to be consistent because a guy that comes through our system is going to have the roving hitting instructor. He's going to have different hitting instructors at each level. And not everybody's going to teach exactly the same. But we try to get consistent with our language. We try to communicate level to level with what's been taught, how it's been said, what the player seems to embrace and understand. And so as he comes up, he starts to realize that from top to bottom, we're trying to do what's best for the player.
1: That's the voice of Paul Molitor, manager of the Minnesota Twins. Jack Morris is here as well. The show is inside Twins. We'll come back and talk about some of the new faces, including today's starting pitcher who have joined the Twins here for their September run. That's coming up next. The show is Inside Twins, and it's right here on your home for Twins Baseball.
2: Dave Lee, tomorrow at 6.
0: Twins Baseball Now. News Talk 830-WCCO. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network.
1: Welcome back to Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury alongside Jack Morris. Paul Molitor is here as well talking about some of the new faces who have joined the club here in the expanded September roster. Now we've got some old friends like Chris Jimenez, guys we've seen earlier in the year like Tyler Duffy, but a couple of intriguing folks who might be new to Twins fans, and one of them, Paul, on display today, and that is a Chase DeYoung. He's a guy with a little bit of big league time. Pitched for the Mariners in seven games a year ago. He was acquired in the in the Zach Duke deal. What do you know about him? What have your interactions been with him? And, and what are expectations as he makes his Twins debut today?
2: Yeah, briefly, you know, in general, you know, you learn about people when they come over during trades. You know, he did start the season uh, last year in the big leagues. He, I think he had a handful of starts and he didn't win a game. And he's kind of retooled his arsenal a little bit this year in terms of how he's trying to use his fastball. He found out his sinker was not getting the results that he actually thought it was, and we've gone to a little bit more force seam look at the top of the zone because his breaking stuff works too. He, he's more of a pitcher than a hard-throwing guy who just relies on velocity, but he's kind of figuring out, kind of like we saw the guy Lopez last night, and, on how to use all his pitches, be unpredictable, and certainly command the zone. He's excited to be here, to get a chance. On a personal level, he's connected to the golf world. Yes, um, fiance uh, yeah, his is Bernard Langer's daughter. daughter. Yeah, so um, we've talked a little bit about that, his desire to play Hazeltine somewhere along the way. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're looking forward to watching him pitch. It's a little bit different scenario this September, As it's been out there about openers, and guys and today, even if he pitches well, I probably won't take him too far. Hopefully he has a good day, and then we can go ahead and maybe turn it over to the bullpen. Well,
1: you made the Lopez comp. If he goes perfect for eight innings, can you get him on Hazeltine? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, well, yeah, we'll make some kind of deal. I, I think that
0: would be a good trade-off. I don't really want to dwell, and I know you don't really want to dwell on a loss that happened yesterday, but I know you've been a part of some magical pitching performances, and from what I've been told, it was on the on the losing end of one of those. Right. But Talk a little bit about Jorge uh, Lopez's effort yesterday and what what you saw that was working that you couldn't really communicate to your players.
2: Well, I, I think I kind of jinxed us before the game, Jack. I had watched some video of some of his previous starts, and I said, this guy looks really good on film. And uh, <laughs> and sure enough, you know, all of a sudden, inning after inning, we can't get a base runner, and he's just locked in, and he's using all his pitches. I thought he did a masterful job. of. of, He got through the lineup the first time. We really didn't hit many balls hard early, and he didn't even show all his pitches. It's the old Jack
1: Morris move right there.
2: Yeah, he he held on to the changeup for the lefties, which he started using a little bit more prevalently in the second and third time around. Command was good, obviously no walks. It was a little strange in that he only struck out three people during the first 24 batters that he retired. All three were left-handed hitters and, you know, a couple of curveballs and an elevated fastball. But he was good. You know, we hit a couple of balls decent. They did make some nice plays to kind of preserve the chance at history there. But, you know, I'm not a big tip-your-hat guy, but but he had a heck of a night.
1: What do you remember? At, we were looking at the Wells perfect game. You were involved in that one.
2: Yeah, i say my season was so bad I went 0 for 4 in a perfect game, but uh, which is mathematically impossible. No, he, he was uh, – that <laughs> – that was uh, just one of those days. You know, we all know the story about David coming in and supposedly being up half the night. And, and somehow, uh, you know, we didn't have maybe the best Twins lineup that we've seen in the past 50 years that was, was showing up that day in New York. But he mowed us down, and uh, when Pat Mears flew out to end that game... We were definitely on the wrong side of some history there <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. I,
1: I will ask you both this. Uh, it, when something like that is building, either when you're throwing it, Jack, when you've got your no-hitter going, or or when you're a hitter as part of it, or you're playing defensively, Paul, behind a guy yeah. like that, uh, at what point do you feel it building? Is it, a, is it a tangible thing where you're like, wow, today this this really is a legit possibility?
2: Yeah, you know, I've seen at least ten times where guys have taken it into the eighth and ninth inning and not been able to finish it. I've only was a part of two, one on each end, the the Wells game against us and way back uh, when I was with Milwaukee, Juan Nieves for the Brewers threw a no-hitter, and I think defensively, um, it's fun. You know, I think if you're young and maybe a first- or second-year player, you're probably nervous about the defensive end making plays or being the guy that causes it to not be perfect. But I remember uh, in the Evans game, I said, you know, hit me the ball. I I couldn't wait to make a play. You get excited, you feel the emotion, it builds inning to inning. They don't happen all that often, so when they do come along and opportunities, it's a different feel in the ballpark as we saw last night.
0: Yeah, for me, it's it's funny how it evolves. I don't remember when I was throwing my no-hitter, I had never remembered looking up at the scoreboard and seeing goose eggs for six innings ever in my life. What happened to me is about the fifth inning, I felt like I had the plague because everybody just <laughs> left, the, left me alone. And, and you know, Paul, I, sure. I wasn't a guy that didn't talk a lot of smack all the time. And uh, Maybe you know just you, grumpy. Even when I was pitching, it's like, hey guys, I can, I, I haven't died yet. Come on <laughs> over here, let's talk.
2: And they wouldn't come close yeah. to me. So that was that was the one thing that I remember more than anything else. It's funny because I was trying to peek over into their dugout, you know, after the sixth and seventh innings, and I'm not sure where where he went, but um, I couldn't find him. So they were <laughs> they were probably doing the same thing that you said, Jack. Players, uh, unless you get a real odd duck, are going to pretty much stay away from the pitcher as that thing builds.
1: Yeah, I give Sal Perez a lot of credit, too, for yesterday. I thought he did a heck of a job uh, calling that ball game. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about another intriguing call-up for the Twins in a moment on your Home for Twins Baseball.
2: Chad Hartman, tomorrow at noon. Twins Baseball Now. News Talk 830-WCCO.
1: Welcome back to Inside Twins. It's a uh, Sunday staple here. It's brought to you by Killebrew Roopier, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. couple of legends here in Jack Morris and Paul Molitor. We talked a bit about today's starter, Chase DeYoung, but Paul, the other guy who was kind of the, the mystery man when, when the call-ups were announced was Andrew Vasquez. And not many guys start the year in Fort Myers, hit Chattanooga, And then just barely touched the ground in Rochester and suddenly they're in the major leagues. He is a big man, he is a man of few words, and he is a man of fewer pitches. He's a guy who comes in, you know he's going to throw one pitch 60% of the time and it's not a fastball. He is a rare bird
2: indeed. He is a little bit, but I do think our game is trending to where if a guy has a pitch, not necessarily a fastball, that is effective and people have trouble adapting to, you're going to see it you know, majority of the time, and that's Andrew's M.O. I, I give him credit for making the jump from A-ball to the big leagues in one season. And he's an intriguing guy in that you watch him go out there, and I think he's obviously having to transition to what it feels like to be a major league pitcher. But I've been uh, pleasantly surprised that he's handled the moments fairly well. I think he's learning on the fly. Last night, you know, he faced Gordon in a situation, and Gordon's a guy who, if he sees a left-handed breaking ball, he knows – that he needs to look for, and he got one just up enough for him to handle it. But we're looking for people that are going to be on our radar as we map out our strategy throughout the winter to... At least have an idea of some guys that have a chance to make our club next year, particularly in the bullpen. In his case, and I'd have to say, so far, even in a, a few outings, he's made a, a very positive impression. Paul, one of the questions I would have, and you know, I guess this is as good a time as any to ask it, is the whole new
0: philosophy of starting a guy that, out of the bullpen and try to lengthen yeah. the first couple innings so that the starter can get, quote unquote, deeper. Right. In the game, uh, give us
2: your analysis. You know, you could probably get pretty long-winded on that response. Obviously, as it's become a more of a, a reality concept that was implemented first by the Rays and quite effectively, might I say. I, I've heard from people that they actually have been strategizing this to some degree for about four years. It shows you how long some of these things take to transition into the game and actually people give it a shot. You know, the theory being that when you look at numbers offensively, of a team the third time through the lineup, just the dramatic changes in in on-base percentage and slugging percentage and a lot of numbers analytically that we didn't even have before. And just guys that seem to have particular trouble getting through, especially the best part of the lineup a third time. You're trying to delay that. Instead of having a guy come in and pitch the fifth and the sixth, you're doing it in the first and second and giving your starter a chance. If he does face three guys or your primary pitcher, the third time, he's going to see people who are going to be the bottom half of the lineup. Now, we've done it a couple of times. It hasn't worked out particularly well. We haven't been able to get off the field early. But on the other hand, I think there's some strong proponent uh, information that says suggestively that this is something that a lot of teams might pursue. Paul, you know, you look back and, and you see the, how the game evolves. Kansas City
0: kind of revolutionized the game a few years mm-hmm. back when they were World Series contenders. With a strong bullpen that came in early, and they could they could mix and match four guys that were so so reliable, doesn't it always come down to the
2: talent that you have and who can get the job done? The talent's a huge component. I think that Tampa spending as much time as they did they they were a little bit more ahead of maybe other teams that are trying it in terms of having the right people in place to accomplish their goals of how this might most work most effectively. You know, so far we've tried a couple of people to open. We've tried a couple of people to come in as primaries. Not that these people aren't the right people, but it's a different mindset that it Mm -hmm. takes, and you have to get guys to embrace it. When we went to infield shifts and now we've tried four-man outfields, there's going to be a reluctancy on people's part, uh, and as they watch it unfold and see the results begin to be stockpiled, and I think it's the same in this concept for these guys. They're a little bit out of their comfort zone when you ask to do something they're not that they're not accustomed to doing.
1: Yeah, and, and again, you still have to execute, and that's what the Rays have done. They've got four guys who open, and they all throw about a hundred, so it certainly doesn't hurt their yep. cause when they're bringing that's uh, that sort of gas out of the bullpen. Uh, uh, we may see it today when you're facing a team with an opener. This is the next thing. This whole we're not going to tell you who it's going to be we're not going to tell you who it comes after now if you're the Astros the Red Sox Cleveland you just roll out your lineup anyway you got yep. your guys is too much being made of the the sneaky factor is, is it just it's too much yeah. being made of I want to match up in the second inning versus just writing out your best guy well
2: I think that it, it's getting some attention and maybe a little bit overblown but I think it's going to be something that's going to that's going to have an effect on our game you know when you know a guy who's gonna open and, and you know just by looking at his recent history he's not gonna pitch very long and then you have to guess who might come in after and are they either making an entire bullpen game or try to use one guy through the you know, four or five innings in the middle of the game. And I think about a potential, you know, effect on postseason games. You know, mm-hmm. you got two top end starters and you know, you put one guy in there to start, in reality you really want the other guy to pitch and you're going to flip it hoping that they stack their lineup for the first guy and somehow it's a benefit for you the other way. And the, the last part about that, without getting too long-winded, is that you know how you make line changes in hockey and the home team gets <laughs> the last last call? Who's to say that I can't hold on to my lineup until right before game time according to who I'm going to put up there against a given pitcher and vice versa? So some of that stuff might be have to iron out by MLB as far as protocol we want to follow.
1: It'll be interesting. We'll take a break, our last break, on your home for Twins Baseball.
0: This is Jordana Green, 3-6 to 6 on CCO, and you're listening to Twins Baseball.
1: our final segment of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. Jack Morris is here, Paul Molitor is here. Guys, the game, we, we talk about changes all the time. Uh, I don't know that you ever had a video game tournament before <laughs> uh, before a ball game. You got your players are out here, they're running with some of the world's greatest gamers, I guess. Was this something where, instead of Jack and Paul, we need Miles and Ben in here to uh, to commentary on this?
2: Well, I, I think Jack would probably admit as, as I would that, you know, when we first got to the big leagues, video games were maybe just getting started. I don't even want to tell you what games we were playing, but it's evolved tremendously. And today, with the with the Fort Day that Fort we're having Day. here, there's a lot of people excited about it. I guess this Fortnite thing is kind of taking on a, a a mind of its own, and there's you know worldwide participation. So hopefully, they're having some fun with it. I know my son Ben is a big fan, so he's out there checking it out today.
0: All, all I can think of is remember two generations ago when your grandfather. Uh, told your dad that their music stunk and then your dad told you (laughs) that your music stunk and now you're telling your kids that their music stunk Uh, let's just relate this to their life but you know we're the fools I guess we have to embrace it. I just wish kids would get outside and do something physical.
1: Well, it is a nice day for that today. In 20 seconds, any lineup changes or things to look for today?
2: It's going to look a little different today. <laughs> so, uh is going to catch. Jimenez is playing first. I got Joe down. Miguel's not quite ready to begin. Uh, Contributing as far as being in the lineup, so a little bit of a makeshift day. Rosie's DHing again today. That leg's coming along, but he's not quite back to one hundred percent.
1: All right. Well, David Wells isn't pitching, so we yeah, got a, that's we, right. We got a shot. All right. For Jack and Paul, I'm Chris. It's been inside Twins. Do stay with us. We got our pregame lineup card coming up next, and the Twins and the Royals at their home for Twins baseball.
0: been listening to inside twins brought to you by Kilbrew root beer made in Minnesota it's how memories are created and legends are made this has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network